Hello, Big Tim. Good day to you. (laughs) Hi, Ryan. Hi, and good day to everyone out there who may be listening and to who may not be listening. We say hello to you, too, if you get this somehow. Welcome to episode 105 of Dismembering Horror. It is, we are, the podcast sure where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and... Myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We dismember a horror film every week. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film that you suggested to us, that you wanted to hear us rave and rant about, that we've been wanting to see again, that we haven't seen at all. Those are our favorites because we are on a quest for the unseen by us as is the quest for the sight unseen, as is inherently true with horror films, with the genre. (laughs) Anything to add about what this show is, Tim? Oh, man. You know, we're just a couple of dudes, a couple of bros, hanging out, broing out over horror. (laughs) What more could you ask for? It's true. We, uh, this is very much the spirit (laughs) of two buds getting together to watch a movie together and then to discuss it. And we hope if you don't have an immediate bro or bra to join that, uh, hey, we'll be here. We're, we're always here for you. Look, it's it's our third bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, Tim, we're on we're on video chat here, meaning we're at our respective places, meaning oh, my little buddy, Sixto Cat, comes to say hello every once in a while. Hi, Sixto. What's up, dude? Well, Tim, I actually, I, I felt like uh, we, we always use this portion of the show after the intro to see if we have anything else to say, whether it's news, we want to amend something from a previous episode. Uh, mm. Usually we either don't have anything or you tell us your latest health woe or how you're feeling at any given point. <laughs> I, could t- I can definitely <laughs> tell you how I'm feeling. Oh my God. I shot a music video yesterday all day in the woods and I am super sore and super tired but it was great so that's great so but have you know speaking of the woods (gasps) here we go are you ready you got some news for us (laughs) i do i came across an article about one of i was gonna say our favorite movie franchises but i'll say ryan's favorite movie franchise granted i haven't seen anything past the first one it's more of just kind of like (laughs) just the idea yeah it's a fun reference point for us at this show so ryan do you know how many wrong turn movies there have been i believe there have been seven up until the new one that's supposed to come out the new one will be the seventh. Oh, okay. So there have been sixth. Wrong turn seven, everybody. I guess was made and then kind of stuck in, you know, what are we going to do with this production limbo? And there is a lot of articles. I was surprised when I looked back to see like what the news had been up to this point. And there's a bunch of articles of like, 
what's going to happen with Wrong Turn 7? <laughs> it's like, I didn't know that many people cared about Wrong Turn 7, but apparently they do. You could just see like the black and white footage of Tim and I tossing and turning at night, wondering what's going to happen to Wrong Turn 7. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. D- douche coos floating over our pillows. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I came across an article that was like, don't worry, everybody. Wrong Turn 7 is officially done, and they're going to release it sometime 2020, in spite of everything. Great. We had previously announced its announcement, but but we haven't right. had an update for a while, so we're, we're going to continue <laughs> to bring you Wrong Turn 7 news. Tim, I feel like we got to review it at this point, and if we review it, I feel like we got to watch 2 through 6, so... I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I saw some stills from it and it, it tickled me. Great. <laughs> There's like, uh, you know, what were they? The, what were the bad guys? They were sort of we just can't... Zomb- not No, not zombie, but like mu- mutant hillbillies, yep. right? Is that what we would call them? There's like a picture I saw of a mutant hillbilly with a bow and arrow. A lady mutant hillbilly with a bow and arrow full like pulled back ready to shoot Great. and i got very excited well uh tim i actually got a lot more dismembering horror news um so i we, we gotta <gasps> move on that's why i was saying this is an unusual episode really? for our news segment first of all cor- uh, two corrections for previous episodes when i was making a recommendation for um uh i forget what it was called now the australian horror movie um turkey shoot I, oh, I said right, there's a right. bunch of Ozploitation right now on Criterion and Shudder, but actually the more correct term would be that it's um, a slew of Australian new wave films that are oh, available okay. on Criterion. So not just exclusively Ozploitation, but... And so out of curiosity, what what else off the top of your head, if you can, would be considered one of those films like that people would the know one of. i mean the one i've seen uh was walkabout by nicholas rug if that's how you say his name okay. and of course mad max is another one Sh- sure and then yeah. i have another one i may mention at the end of the episode but there's a lot is is wolf creek no one this of those is per- that- this is uh referring to the new wave movement specifically like 70s like you know Gotcha. That, that being the, oh, the most predominant okay, time. Cool. Um, gotcha. Also, to to amend something from a previous episode on episode one hundred, we did um, on this part two, we did our sort of like indelible moments run through what stood out for us in each film, and I just got to give credit where credit is due. When we got to Ghost Ship, we kind of just were like, ah, I don't really remember whatever. But I mean, that opening scene of Ghost Ship is probably the standout. Oh yeah, it's probably the right the standout gore. Um, not not yeah. center set piece out of like anything yeah, yeah. we've watched. So that's true. That's true. It's easy to forget about that because you know you watch an entire movie after that moment, and and you're distracted by the the fact that you had to sit through that entire rest of the movie. Yeah, right. So yeah, <laughs> just I, I'm sh- easy to forget the beginning. I'm sure uh, we may have other things that we missed out on, but that one was the most egregious one I've thought of so far. Okay, and Tim, oh, yeah. I got some actually really exciting horror movie news for you today. So uh, for- This better be exciting. It is, Tim. It's about my <laughs> number one favorite film that we've watched <gasps> on our, uh, you know, when we did our rating for episode 100, which was Psycho that we've watched. So- Uh-oh. 
Psycho, along with Rear Window, Vertigo, and The Birds are getting a new disc release on 4K HD disc release as a set. Shit. And so Psycho, even though you know it's been released tons of times for home video, but it's going to, for the first time ever, uh, we're going to get a new cut of it that is apparently what? its intended cut at the time of release. It's the one that Hitchcock put out in theaters in 1960, but then for subsequently, it, um, you know, censors or whatever cut back on it. So, holy shit. This is the official description on the packaging of the two versions. So, it describes Psycho Uncut as the extended version of the movie as seen in theaters in 1960 is exactly as intended by Alfred Hitchcock and now available with additional footage for the first time ever. And then it also includes the one that we've come to know, but just for context, it describes it as the most widely seen version of the movie was edited for content and subsequently used for TV broadcasts, theatrical re releases, and home entertainment over the last 60 years so i'm you can see why i'm excited no way (laughs) i did some digging into it and um found that there has been a german television release that included i don't know if it was all of the footage they're talking about but at least some of it i've heard somewhere like the total amount of footage is going to be back in is like over a minute but the um the f- but I watched like sort of a A B comparison of this German TV release, and the two scenes it featured was when he's looking through the eye hole and watches Marion undressing, and there's like okay. more of her undressing like up to the last minute, right? But be- like or the last second, right before we would see her naked, and then there's also um, some more scandalous, of course, and then there's also um, after he kills her when his hands are covered in blood, it was more shots of him like looking at his bloodied hands in close up as okay. he's walking over okay. the sink. And just both of those, <clears throat> if those are going to be in it, like they they brought that sort of gravitas and weight to, and you know, emphasize the right. horror mood. I was really into it. So needless to say, I'm excited. You know, speaking of upcoming horror and Hitchcock, and I'm not going to be able to remember what it's called or who's in it, but recently... So this is like totally unhelpful. Maybe you can help me. I saw a trailer, I believe. Yeah, I think it was a trailer um, for. Oh, no, that's not what I want. I'm trying to find it here and I can't find it. Well, so it's a movie with somebody like a. it's a female lead. It's it's coming up. It hasn't come out. And. God, I can't remember who the lead is. Somebody like Amy Adams or somebody in that realm, like a really good actress. And it's basically Rear Window. And I can't remember if I saw a thing or read a thing about it, but it's not called Rear Window. And they don't like they don't say that it's any sort of like re or updated you know, reboot style thing of rear window, but it is definitely rear window. Like the setup, the premise, everything is like, it's, it is fucking rear window just with the female. I mean, it's the kind of, now I can't find it. (laughs) It's the kind of story kind of like groundhog day where it's just like, I'm fine to always just remake that premise, you know, different context, whatever. True. But man, whatever, like whatever it was, I was like, I thought it was before they had revealed the title. I thought they were just going to say it's, Rear window. They redid rear window, and but they, it it doesn't it isn't that. So I don't know. I unfortunately I can't pull it out <laughs> up on my phone here trying to find it. But um, when it when we do uh, get to go see movies in the theater again, 
I feel like this one, it looked good. Well, it might be one to jump into and we'll you we'll know. see if uh, like wrong turn, they decide to wait for theaters or not. <laughs> right. Um, but then this, so this is this leads me to my question. Should we not touch Hitchcock? You know what I mean? Like, like, what's your take on revamping or redoing that classic of a or famous of a type of movie? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, you know, Bates Motel is technically a remake, and I loved that, but that was different in that it's a TV show. It could really expand the world. Right, right. Right. I've heard, you know, sort of talk about the Psycho remake being a shot-for-shot shot remake, almost just as a way to sort of prevent it from being actually remade, which is interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm generally like, sure, whatever, because there's always the original movie. Mm-hmm. And and with a story like Rear Window, at least, like I remember liking that Shia LaBeouf one just fine. That was essentially the same story. Disturbia, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. It's... I, I just think we should never. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty good at separating things. Yeah. So, it it yeah. It it's, it's not like ruining its legacy. But then I don't right. know. But then you, I do think about how you know someone who doesn't know anything will like look up. You know, we'll see that there's the birds thinks it's a classic and then watch it and just never see the original. So there's that part of me, the specific instance. But I'm just kind of like, whatever. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I go back and forth. I think <laughs> sounds like we both do. <laughs> yeah, you know, like sometimes I'm like, dude, just leave it alone. Like, you're not going to do better. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, when generally where I'm at is if the world's changed enough, it's interesting to see things in a, a new context or like g- gender yeah. flip or whatever it may be, you know, is sure. cool. Um, but yeah, whatever. I do. I do think. I think partially horror, for whatever reason, is a little more uh, – it's slightly a better genre or more – a genre that allows for remakes and reboots a little more forg- – it's a little more forgiving when it comes to it's that. because there's – they're high concept ideas and a lot of times they aren't very good. So it's just <laughs> – That's true. Like, for example, in that uh, the 80s documentary from uh, Shudder, I had forgotten completely about the the remake of The Blob. And I I remember when it came out, but I just not a movie I ever think about. And like some of the footage that they showed in the in the documentary, I was like, whoa, I know I was pretty, pretty fucking young when I watched this and I was into it. And man, like, I don't remember any of this shit. Right. So I kind of want to revisit that. But that's a remake. And we were totally forgiving of it. I mean, two of the best horror movies in my book are The Thing and the 78 Invasions of the Body Snatchers. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So there you go. But I guess, yeah, yep. Hitchcock, different class. Anyway, Tim, this is the, like, the, the longest we've gone on without even mentioning today's episode and today's topic. Which, oh, well. Which is. Mention it. Mention it, dude. From 2006. <laughs> this is a request. I hope you're listening. Brendan W. We watched Slither. We revisited Slither from 2006. God, boy, boy our, did we. <laughs> our heyday. <laughs> Brendan, uh, I'm assuming, loves this movie. Um, so, well, we hope you especially enjoy our, what worked for us section. 
And uh, we hope you also enjoy how we start off our episodes here, or as far as getting into the movie, with watching the trailer. So let's do it. Mm. Here's the partial trailer. Let's, let us do All it. All right, get us in the mood. Slither. Throughout the years, these classic horror films had one thing in common. From Universal Pictures comes a film so shocking. Uh, we've got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. They're doing things to people, turning them into some kind of monsters. How's everybody's evening? Good? Good. God, it's weird watching a 2006 movie and it feeling vintage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, God. Like, oh God. hey, this was... We're old. This is the 2000s and we're in the 2020s now. I mean, it makes sense, but still. <laughs> Shit. Um, great. Great, great, great. So next we have our rating per our rating system. Would we, Tim and Ryan, <laughs> tell versions of ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? What, what what about you, Timothy? You know, when I first saw it way back when, I enjoyed it, but didn't think it was great. And then when we rewatched it, I enjoyed it, but didn't think it was great. So it's a rent for me. Dit toe. <laughs> it uh yeah it's a rent it uh, same 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 deal it's just it's it's interesting though we'll get into it but this is pretty unique among everything we've talked about where like on paper it should be my favorite movie ever in a way but something yeah. doesn't click for me in the end despite everything yep. working great and um i have thoughts and i'll have fun picking that I... part in our next section. Yeah, I have thoughts too. I I'm curious to see where we we kind of land with this discussion. But I definitely feel the same way. There's there's a couple things that I think broadly speaking it just it it oh, I don't know what it is. I um part of me thinks it's just a sensibility thing and James Gunn is just a little bit left of my center or something like that? I think that. you're onto something there, Tim. Let's save it for what did not work. Yeah. Because we want to start Let's. out with talking about what worked, and there's plenty that worked here. So he, absolutely, here we go. First section, what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? <laughs> <laughs> it worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked? I mean, so many of my things are just the broadest you can get, like the filmmaking overall, like it's there from the get go, just efficient storytelling, the 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 mm -hmm. pacing and the plotting, both in like the micro sense and the macro sense, the casting, the performances, uh, the, of yeah. course, the big standout, maybe the practical effects. Um, yeah, definitely. Just, you know, he he's it is <laughs> <That, dude. laughs> James Gunn is uh 
Yeah, this was his first feature, but you can just tell, like, versus, you know, all this, this, the not good horror movies out there, he just has a handle on the genre, on filmmaking, and it's just fun mm-hmm. to get along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> uh, shit, what's the, what's the actor's name? Uh, the husband? Michael Rooker? Yeah, yeah, Michael Rooker. That, costume prosthetic monster thing that he's in about not his final form because i love that too but the one where we we really see him for the first time as this like morphine mutant thing with like kind of smaller tentacles coming out and one coming out of his head and he's he's slithering for the first time yeah he's got a tail and all that in the field fuck dude right it is it it really is. I think kind of what you're saying. It's like this movie should be my favorite movie. Right. <laughs> it's fun. And like cuz and because of shit like that, like and like it's got that good kind of that zone of horror and comedy that I really like. When he ta- um, when he opens his mouth in that scene and you can't even understand him. It's just my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean, it is so good. There are, and like uh, on top of that, there are probably, oh, there are probably three set pieces or like sort of scenes, like standout scenes that are just magical horror. Two of them, the, um, when they come across the bloated, uh, leech, the woman bloated with leeks in the barn. (laughs) And then that is (laughs) the ending too, where, where he's just in his giant blob form. Both of those is set pieces. It's funny because a lot of the satisfaction is predicated on the same thing, but just this anticipation of wanting them to blow up and explode all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) man. Yeah. It, it, yeah, these, there are individual moments or scenes or, uh concepts i guess that i i just love the the whole bathtub sequence i fucking love right our nightmare on elm street homage yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so so good yeah down um, to her um using the the hair the nails oh yeah yeah her nails that were set up i was gonna say her um her hair curler or whatever Oh, awesome. Yeah, so good. Like, all that shit is so good. I really like how that's shot, too, like, all around. Hey, I mean, if we... There's a good anticipation of... You, you're you like, of course you fucking know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Like, so that's not what makes it good. Like, if we're uh, <laughs> the execution of that. If we're kind of tackling stuff scene by scene here with some of our favorite little bits and, and bops, I loved in that whole sequence how her family, you know, when they're possessed as zombies, just like <laughs> example of just the casting being spot on. I loved the two little sisters as the zombie oh versions. Were just, they were cracking me up. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's actually one of the big things that works so well in this. And it is, I mean, as we've seen in James Gunn's stuff, after this um his ability to use tongue-in-cheek in a grounded way i think really is sort of his standout like form you know what i mean like his his six the the things that really are successful in everything i've seen of his is that ability to be like okay this is these are real people but there is a tongue-in-cheek like undercurrent 
to everything that they do. Yeah. And I think it's why it's why a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy works so well is because it is fantastical and we're out in outer space and whatever. But like Peter Quill and all of those characters are super grounded but tongue-in-cheek at the well, same no, time. Not just tongue-in-cheek, but they're kind of like, he's kind of like Jody Hill in that they're a bunch of misfits in a way or like almost caricatures. Yeah. They're like almost caricatures, but you can tell that the filmmaker just has such a love and admiration and respect for them that, uh, yeah, yeah. that that's what does the sort of heavy lifting you're talking about. Yeah, and they, and they <clears throat> there's a, what would be the word for this? Um, they are, it, there's a self-awareness almost Yeah, within, within the characters. So even in Slither, when like the, you know, a, a character get, becomes Slitherified or whatever, and they're sort of in that middle zombie form, they're self-aware. They're still themselves. Yeah. But they're this newer version of themselves where they can reference their own actual memories, but in the context of now I'm possessed by this alien thing. Right. And there's something really fun about that because it's not just, oh, we're mindless zombies trying to eat brains now. It's like, it's like, you know, they're literally saying, I forget the girl's name, but it's like, Aaron. Starla. You know, it's. It's just me. Star right? <laughs> like, it's just your sister. Come on out. Oh, that girl. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that shit. It's it it adds this weird like discomfort and like oh shit element cuz it's like wait, should I like where am I now? Like I don't know if I should be horrified or should I help my family because they're like can I fix this is or are we kind of fucked. And that element is sort of I think foundationally in this story with the lead character. The big thing that carries us through because she still sort of believes on some level that her husband is, you know, he is savable, I guess. And it's like, he's kind of probably not. <laughs> like, look at him. I don't think she's, if he's necessarily savable, she thinks he's savable because she does, she is like going to trick him to kill him at the end, but she's definitely taking advantage of the fact and recognizes that he is still him on some level. Right, right, and, exactly. And that, There's a connection there. That was my favorite, favorite bit in this. Um, well, I guess it was sort of a, a section, but the... Um, the zombies, if you want to call them that, slitherified, as you said, when they're kind of you're talking about, you know, hearing them talk like uh, Bubs in Day of the Dead, which I just cracks me up. I love. But my <laughs> yeah, favorite yeah. part in this movie was like when they're t treating Elizabeth Banks as Starla as like their queen, essentially, because they're all a part of the hive mind collective. And they're like laying her down on the bed and going, Starla, <laughs> Starla. And they, they have a brush and like put it in her hair. <laughs> so Star, Queen Starla. And then that extends when she finally comes down the stairs. And this is all just beauty and the beast stuff too, which I always love and I'm a sucker sure, yeah. for. But um so funny uh how how we see it. It's just this is was just so like 
I don't know. Yeah, as far as the Beauty and the Beast thing, you know, the the tender side where she still recognizes in him, where we see he indeed has decorated the place, like she says. He's put up, like, pictures of them, like, from the relationship. Like, this monster (laughs) has taken the time to think, Tim, this picture looks better next to this picture. You know, like, (laughs) what is his cute little methodology in in putting it all up? Yeah, as a a rule, of the monster I think that's a really really smart element that they did is that they you know they could have just had it be an alien that you know just has a one track sort of motive here of like I just want to consume this new you know humans or whatever and that's its goal and most of the time that's what we get right like in the thing He's just, you know, he's just, it's just survival, right? Like infect everybody and survive and, and like, you know, don't get killed. Um, aliens are, you know, kind of one track mind, right? They, they're just there to, to breed and, and populate. And so we see that a lot. And this brings in this element of like, because there's this psycho connect, connective uh, element that, the alien is influenced by the people it's possessing, right? On some level, the reason the alien wants her <clears throat> her at all is because the first host, her husband, cares about her. And that influences the alien's motive. And I think that is a really fucking genius extra element in a story in any storytelling to combine these things and not make the the monster just singularly sort of whatever i mean i i it's it is but it's it's being influenced by the host and that's fucking cool yeah i i love it whatever leads us to her being able to say did such a nice job decorating baby it just cracked me up <laughs> um <laughs> That whole sequence too. Yeah, I mean, kind of touching on different things here. I want to I want to cover it all, but I mean, just the the casting from down to like to the recognizable faces, and then also oh, yeah. very much in that uh, that uh, Judy Hill kind of way too. The all the the sort of side characters and extras, the less recognizable faces that sort of populate the world and give us a sense of place. Like, I mean, Elizabeth Banks. You can't imagine anyone else playing this role she's perfect for it she's just yeah so much fun and then um and then yeah just sort of like as i said the the world the characters that populate the world the extras like just as an example i mean take your pick from like the opening montage of the locals but when um that <laughs> the, the little baby that the woman has who's like the old flame or whatever um oh yeah ba- it just had like such a funny <laughs> little bait like so, so full of character and this really funny baby face <laughs> like uh, just you know evident i like the two there. the two dudes the two like town bros that like come with them to hunt michael Rooker oh, yeah <laughs> in the field it's like <laughs> they're just like weird random characters they're posse yeah yeah and it, just some more like yeah touches that just help you know, make us endeared to these characters, this world, the them having their big barn party. 
um, with you know their hoedown or whatever, singing karaoke <laughs> at the bar, and then of course like that that you know tongue and teach tongue and cheek touch of um what what are they? yeah of Starla and Bill's or, or Starla and Grant sorry. Starla and Grant's uh, wedding song that, you know, is set up and then pays off at the end where it's just like, <laughs> dude, that's my, one of my favorite bands of all time. <laughs> what is it? It's Air Supply, baby. <laughs> you can tell like, yeah, the <laughs> filmmaker, it's like simultaneously like loves it, but knows it's cheesy. But that's just part of why they love it. You know, at, I'm, I'm right there. Yeah, with him. yeah, <laughs> could, I could tell. Not surprised. It was great. No joke, I was literally singing along with it whenever it came on. <laughs> like I could I cannot resist. I have I have the deepest love and affection for Air Supply. <laughs> Great. I can't <laughs> say I could name any of their songs. Um <laughs> Oh, they're so good. I mean, what 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 else what else? I mean, how about the uh I you know, I mentioned the pacing and plotting in both the micro and macro sense, just having that smart awareness of knowing where audiences are just to sort of keep our attention, whether it's like, you know, we set up the grenade. So we think that's going to be the big payoff, but then it doesn't work at the last minute or like even (laughs) that little moment where she's walks past the window and, uh, you know, Grant Michael Rooker is in his sort of like first deformed state waiting at the window. And we expect her when she crosses back that he's going to be gone because that's how you always see it. But then the surprise is, nope, he's still there. <laughs> he bursts through. <laughs> I love. There are a lot of really, really great, you know, joke moments. Like just just, just smart, good writing. Like joke writing. Well, I think <laughs> one of my favorite ones at least one that really stands out is um, what's the actress from the office, Pam from the <laughs> Jenna office. Fisher. Yeah. Thank you. So her, her, the joke that she has, I is, is a, it's a particular type of humor that really, really tickles me, which is <laughs> when uh, uh, Nathan Fillion's character is Bill. radioing to her. And asking, he's like, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to call the CDC. And there's just silence. And sh- and we see her on the other line nodding in affirmation. And then they cut back to him and he's like, you're nodding, right? And she's like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I got it. <laughs> like that kind of joke for some reason. I think part of what makes it work so well is anytime characters know each other that well to know the other person's like idiosyncrasies when we, we don't know them yet as an audience, but we see them and see how sort of silly idiosyncrasies can be. And then the characters call them out that for some reason, that type of joke is really, really pleasing to me. So like, I, I mean, I was like laughing out loud. LO, I was LOLing Ryan. I mean, her in that moment, her just her, I mean, me too, but just her performance overall is what was she's so good. But, I mean, her first line in that sequence, at least, was cracking me up. Where she, like, you know, they've just gone through this crazy, you know, fighting off alien slugs, and she's just like, Sorry, there's a skeeter here driving me crazy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Yeah, just so, so dry. It was so perfect. That's what I mean, too, just as an example of the, as far as the recognizable actors that populate the story. Yeah. All killing it, too. 
Um, yeah. The, uh, also, just yeah, to get out of the way, just a little smart pacing, plotting things. Like I was saying, I loved rather than going through the whole section of the one person or the one cop trying to convince all the other ones, just eschew that from the get go. We have like multiple cops witness him in his squid form as they call it. And then that leads us to have the fun where once they get to the barn, you know, we have like five of them or whatever, just get killed off (laughs) like right there. And then it's so much fun. Yeah. Get on with it. Right. Yeah. Um, Always love to the uh, unrequited love story. That's sort of a driving story plot thread in this one between Bill and Starla. Okay. Okay. I have thoughts about that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Hold your tongue. I will. Um, what else? Yeah. Um, the is this? Yeah. Something I, I do have mixed thoughts on, but I'll say what I do like as far as the homaging and references, where that works in the where that works for me is just in the overall story sense. Like I, yes. I don't care that it's essentially, um, you know, the what did we watch? Rabbit and Night of the Creeps, um, which you need to see because that is, uh, it's I great. do, um, like that. That's fine. Like whatever, you know. I, I just like great taking all these elements from movies he loved, putting them together. I'm down. Right. It's a way to to bring it all forward, bring us to the next level. You know, filmmakers paying tribute in that sense when they are competent mm-hmm. filmmakers mm-hmm. themselves. All good fun. I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting. I mean, maybe we talk about that later, but the the uh, <laughs> the line between homage and derivativeness to me is always a really difficult one to to kind of uh walk on the tightrope of. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely, I, you know, this, in this movie, I think as a movie, as a, con, a, a movie for consumption, uh, you know, to, to kind of make, you know, from a business point of view, this does a really good job of, you know, doing all those things, in a in enough of a subtle way for the most part. That like the I think the average movie goer will just get on board and like go on the ride and really like it. I'm just thankful for it, like keeping the torch alive of these this kind of spirit right. of film, you know. Right, and I think that that's you know that's always a it's a tricky thing to go after, but it's always a good thing to you know to attempt at least. Um, and yeah, there's something really nice to be like the homage aspect of that to be like paying tribute to all these things and being like, we're not going to let that die. Yeah. Is great. Yeah. Um, and then to do that with the, the, with the, um, with the newfound, um, ability that, you know, new technology allows for in sense of effects and whatnot. Like that's, what's so great about it. And like, when we talked about earlier, why I'm often down for remakes, like for example, I think we got a great glimpse of what a society remake could look like with the big shunting showpiece at the end when they're all melding together. (laughs) 
No kidding. I mean, I, like I took I rarely take notes when I'm watching any of these, but like I was compelled at various times to just be like, oh, just write down this reference and that <laughs> reference. And that, you know, on my little note thing, it's it just says shunting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you have to have it in there. Looks just like it. Yeah. Fun to get a glimpse of that. Um, some other practical effects, highlight moments I have. Um, God, that kill with when um when they're in the field and the oh. grant monster slices oh. vertically just like the the front half of him not entirely but just like yeah. what would you call that just like a slice <laughs> you know and his mid his sort of vertical midline yeah <laughs> slices him right open fillets him open if you will holy Looked shit amazing um that shotgun blast and they really- to the head that she does Oh, yeah. They they push. I like where they push the gore to. It's just it's just past enough of like. Like they could have cut, you know, 20 frames and it still would have been effective, but they 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 linger on those extra 20 frames just enough for you to go, holy shit. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, oh God, there's a lot of guts coming out of that dude. And even the non-guts effects, like that first weird slimy egg thing that it comes from at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I just go, oh my God, that looks so cool. I love cool. that thing. Yeah. Yeah, that thing is, it's cool and funny <laughs> at the same time. And I think that that's what I like about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. His his whole all of the body horror stuff with Grant yeah. in like the makeup designs fucking awesome. <laughs> just like that whole progression is so fucking good. His performance underneath Ew. it all is and, just so fun too. Yeah, all of the prosthetic stuff that they have, even like later when people are are starving and eating, you know, they 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 have the hunger or whatever the fuck. And their bellies are all like descended, distended and like gross and hanging off of them. Like that stuff is so, <laughs> I fucking love it. All of the shunting stuff, the, you know, the obviously the lady, the giant, uh, what would you call her? The ball filled with slithers lady. <laughs> slithers they are, Tim, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then the slithers filled the lady. <laughs> Yep. Dude, I mean, it is so fucking good. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite little bits was, um, just, yeah, just, I don't know. This is the kind of like words filmmaking, it's like stupid fun. Just can't help but be like, yep, yep. At least, you know, you're doing something and I appreciate it. When he cross cuts at the beginning, the hoedown with like building up the music to when <clears throat> Michael Rooker is uh, essentially um slug inseminating his first victim the woman who explodes later just like so funny (laughs) yeah yeah there's just yeah it's a well it's a really well balanced movie i think yeah even scene to scene Mm -hmm. um paces well what else do i really like yeah i mean you know the joke i mean this is in the trailer so maybe it doesn't like if you if you went in blind yeah, I think it lands better, but like um, Elizabeth Banks really, really giving it to the the in the road with the whatever that is, like a metal sign uh, stand, whatever you call that. She signpost. She's like really going after whoever she's killing in the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> and they just cut back to everybody in the car kind of watching this like, Jesus, dude. Like, <laughs> 
calm down. <laughs> She's hardcore. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, exactly. I love that type of humor of like where you I think it's the same thing I kind of said before, where it's like you get you get the opinion of the other characters and they, you know, like and they're kind of feeling what we're feeling. We're like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. But it's appropriate. And there's something there's something just I, I think that there's something about that humor that really I don't know. It's like the sweet spot for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was fun because I, you know, I'm sure when I first saw this, I'd been inundated with the trailer, but this time around, it all was pretty fresh. So that, that yeah, yeah, moment was great. All right, I think that this covers it pretty well for me for what worked. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, his, all of the creature design and that final form. <laughs> you know, I will say. I then maybe we can bridge bridge the gap from this to into what didn't work, but for the time that the 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 CGI effect stuff, it's still pretty fucking good. Like it's got problems. You know, we can pick that apart. Like I, I you know, I'm sure a visual effects person now would look at him and go, "This is you know, there's this, this, and this, or whatever." But man, it's pretty fucking good. Like there's things. You know, in the in particular, what they're doing in the I think it stands out in the bathroom scene because it's so brightly lit. They I noticed specifically lighting layers that they're putting on reflection of light on the slither, uh, the (laughs) the shadow of the slither, like underneath it on the porcelain of the bathtub. Like, really, really good details. Now, sometimes you lose them in the broader scenes when it's a little further away. Like, those details, you know, it's just probably too much uh, data to to deal with at the time for the computers or whatever budget. But, man, those close-ups really – there were times when I was like, this is almost good enough to look like an actual practical, you know, thing on set. And you know it's not because it moves in a certain way. And then they do use practical, and that's great. But man, for the time, they're they're really really close. And then when the slither gets her in the bathroom, sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, why would I call it anything else? <laughs> and then when Jaws gets the kid, um, you know, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's for yeah, especially being dated, which is weird because yeah, they um. Yeah, it's plenty of bad seeds. They haven't necessarily gotten better, it feels like. But no, it's all in the lighting. It looks yeah. Those two little squirmy tentacle, hooked tentacle things that come out of his chest. There are a number of shots of that that I'm like, fuck, that looks good. And then it's built up so well because, you know, for once he plugs one into the gas tank. So good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's good shit. All right, I'm feeling that we're ready for our next section. I, I think so. All right, let's do it. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> so obviously, I guess, you know, having said that, there are definitely moments where, you, where the, the CGI does lack what you you know it just doesn't quite get there and most of it is is lighting you know like how you light 
and it goes to the the question of like what how they did this sequentially like you know if you shoot first and you give you know that you're gonna do cgi you need to have something there for light reference like you should have in camera a practical thing for light reference in each of those scenes that you're going to have a cgi slither so that the CGI person really can match it as best as it can. They probably did that and maybe they just didn't have the budget to do, give it that ac- extra sort of, you know, perfection or whatever. Um, or maybe the technology just wasn't quite there or whatever. There's all sorts of reasons why it doesn't quite hit. But, you know, we still even today suffer from the lack of weight in a lot of CGI, and there are times when that is apparent in this. Um, you know, how do you effectively show something that moves quickly but is climbing up a wall? And you know what I mean, like without legs or anything. You know, it's 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 squirming its way up a wall, and the physics of that are really difficult because it's like in real life that just doesn't really exist, right? Like the physics don't allow that. So it's always a challenge when you're doing things, especially with, you know, there's how many hundreds of those things in in certain scenes. Getting that right is tough. And there are definitely times when I was like, yeah, that doesn't look great. I don't know. I was never taken out of it. I thought just they were melded pretty well. The only one that I was like really stood out, I, I instantly forgave because of the context, which was when the girl's in the bathroom and connects to the the, what the what as you call them the slither uh, entities are thinking and they're remembering like being on some other planet and it's like a yeah a, that's a quick right. sequence of just seeing them possess all these other you know alien right. alien elephants or whatever they are um anyway <laughs> yeah. but that was like oh it's all cg like whatever it's you know yeah i was, I was pretty forgiving of that you know because it's in her head like there's a style to it anyway so i i was okay with well, those so to touch on the homage section first where you said the line for you was when is um homage go uh too far into derivativeness or what that line is my yeah my homage line kind of like evil ed is when is it too much homage when's the, where's the sweet spot and where is it just kind of overbearing to the point where the filmmakers just like distractingly kissing the feet it feels like and just <laughs> sure. like when yeah. so just when literally like every single name is you know the hen and lauder this the cassavettes this it, it's just like I'm like okay I, I get it like i love them too <laughs> you know i don't know it's it sounds so yeah sounds so picky yeah. and snide but whatever it, it took me out of it right no i get that too it's a little too in you know hey look how clever i'm being mm, even though, and yeah. it's like but it, but I mean, what I mean is, I think that the people doing that feel like they're being really clever. I don't know if they're being clever and so I, much as just. I don't think they are. I mean, I think that's. I think that's a really basic thing to no, do. No, I mean, I don't think they think they're being clever. I just think it's like, you know, and, and this is this is where I do forgive them a bit. Is when it's a first feature, it's just like, yeah. you know. You, it's just that weird thing, you know, where it's like we obviously love these films, but then kind of crosses the line into, you know, them being more than people. But they, you know, they, what they are is. and they aren't. I don't know. It reminds me. It reminds me of when you 
This is so specific. It reminds me of when I went to college and I got into the theater department and there's a bunch of other people who theater is their fucking like everything. Like they're it's all consuming for them and everything is a reference it, just in their normal like day-to-day language to theater and musical theater and like they they go so far as like even mid sentence they'll be like you'll say something and they'll be like oh there are three words from this this musical that I love and they'll just start singing it the you know what I mean like it, they're constantly on that wavelength of like everything's a reference to how much they love musical theater yeah and like there's sort of this vibe of like yeah dude it, it not everything has to be in that zone. You know, not every fucking moment of of our existence is a reference to that. And so those people tend to, for me, get very tiresome very quickly because you're like, dude, can we just like, I don't know, talk about the fucking grass or something? I, you know, so <laughs> anything else, the, like anything. The, yeah, that actually does make me realize kind of what the line is for me is it's it, when it's kind of like, yeah, of course we love all these things. But what what about this here, what we're doing? You know, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, it's almost a crutch in a way where, to, you know, or it can become a crutch where it's like you're so wound up in referencing these things that you love that you're actually you're you're preventing yourself from creating your own new version or your own original thing. Yeah. Because you're too tied to referencing the things you love. Yeah. And it's it's and that's hard, you know, it's it's tricky. And even though this is but, this is what did not work, just to sort of say just context like what just try again, just trying to like find this line of where it all is. Like I do really like the idea of whether it's actors or or specific references and homages, just being kind of a way to show that everything's a part of this ongoing soup to have Michael Rooker from Henry of a portrait of a serial killer in this, who then kind of continue that soup. Then when he goes and casts him in guardians of the galaxy, it's, it's cool. Um, yeah, but then, yeah. but then to have, you know, the two names I already mentioned and top of that, someone's named McReady, McReady too, from the thing. It's like, right. It's cool. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I don't know. It's right on the line. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of what I said before. It's like for the casual viewer, like, I think when you discover those homages, you, you likely go, oh, that's kind of cool. Right. But there's. You know, there's a whole nother group of people that it's in a way it's kind of for the hardcore fan. And I don't think it's as cool for them. Yeah. At least it, it, it I sympathize because, you know, when I've I've written some stuff where I've slid in what I think is a really obscure and, you know, ridiculous joke that I know absolutely nobody will get except for that one dude (laughs) or that one or that one woman you know like i (laughs) i co-wrote a web series that's that's basically you know it's a it's an action comedy about bikers you know biker gang and they're all 
dumbasses and whatever. <laughs> and there is a trope of the 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 old lady, the the sort of the mother figure uh, of the of the motorcycle gang, kind of like maybe being like inappropriately sexual with her son. Like you just can't quite tell like what the relationship is, and it never turns into that. But there's always that like kind of head turny like that's that's a double entendre there. She keeps doing those, and so I thought it would be really funny to reference a character in literature that has that same thing, and so I found a very obscure reference. Of a of a novel from like, you know, the 1700s or something like that, where that is specifically about a mother being inappropriate with her son sexually. And the character's name is Helen Pendemis. Nobody on the planet who is going to watch this web series will know that reference, right? Maybe, maybe. And uh, so I put it in there just because on the off chance that the one person who does know that reference sees it, that it'll tickle them. It's a total throwaway line, but it, it brings me joy to think that maybe that one person will go, what the fuck? Or somebody will look it up and then get the joke. I do know that that's kind of what I was referring to that kind of thing. I just like it in that spiritual sense of how you're using your ingredients where, Oh, I, I, I need yeah. to figure out a name for this character, you know, like, connect it all because it is all connected yep and i yeah as a as a just a general thing i like doing that i think it's fun and it's like who gives a shit you know you're gonna name him john smith or you're gonna name him mccready who like which is cooler um so, so there was another aspect of this movie tim it sounds like we agreed on be curious to pick apart is what what in the end? Why why isn't this a buy it for us? What just doesn't click in the end with James Gunn? And I think it does have to do something with his sensibilities because, as yeah. I said, yeah, my experience with this was like, I mean, yeah, again, love it all on paper, but what's, why, why, why? And I, my key in to maybe why was the end credits music where that has a lyric <laughs> in the refrain or the chorus or whatever that goes, da, 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 just leave me the fuck alone. Oh, right. And there's yeah. just something a little bitter or acerbic is a word I've liked to use that there's cynicism in it. Yeah. That's just, you know, I, and this is, this is where it's interesting because when stuff doesn't work as us, it's work for us. It's uh, that side of ourselves. Maybe we just are, you know, whatever, not as comfortable with. So I acknowledge that, but at the same time, hey, it it is just kind of makes me look go like, yeah, I think that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know James Gunn. Like, I don't know what kind of dude he, he is. He had some but kind like, of controversy. I, I think he just yeah. And I remember that. I, look, he strikes me from what little I know. Well, let's put it this way: what little. I know about him is totally based on this controversy, which is that as a younger dude, when Twitter first started out and a, a lot of the people using Twitter were, were comedians and they were kind of just like, it was the wild west. You could say whatever you wanted. And it was an experiment to sort of see what captured people or like 
got people to notice your Twitter account. And he would tweet some pretty like just like gross stuff. There's like pedophilia jokes and like just and kind of like borderline rapey jokes. And, you know, they're all over the place. So it wasn't it wasn't like him making a statement that he like buys into, you know, these awful things or anything. It, it really did seem like just he's throwing everything at the wall to see what what might get a reaction. So I do feel like he is the type of person who will push the fucking boundaries just to to measure the reaction. And that's tricky, you know, like you could get yourself in deep shit with that mentality. And it feels like what you're saying that song, putting that song in there is a is is kind of related to that sensibility of like I'm kind of I feel different than the world and I want to kind of give a middle finger to it to see what the reaction is. I think yeah, I mean it's weird though cuz I I relate to that entirely. I feel like that's me and right. my existence in a nutshell in a way of like never feeling like I inherently like will be we toe in this line too much but always being terrified to do it in a lot of ways. So I think it's more for me I just I just pin it down to being a generational difference in however kind Maybe. of we evolve. But 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 you got you the that similarity it, it it exists up to the point of how you then respond to those feelings. And I think you respond in a much sort of more, you know, humanistic, like, pa- not passive, but sort of a more like generous way of like, I'm going to hope for the best of the world, even though I don't feel like I belong, maybe. And I feel like based on what little we know about James Gunn, He's got a slightly different like I want to fucking rile it up and I'm I'm a little bit pissed off. Yeah. And then I think when you see Guardians of the Galaxy, it's interesting to go from this movie and then all the way to the success of Guardians of the Galaxy. You can see this sort of trajectory of him coming around to where I think you are more in the storytelling of Guardians of the Galaxy because ultimately the the lesson of Guardians of the Galaxy is family and love and caring about people in spite of their differences is really where it's at. Yeah, you're right. I I think we arrived at it. Thanks, Tim. It's that he's with, with this. There's a, a misanthropic tendency where the anger is – is put the the blame is put on people, and I mm-hmm. I I think it's more complicated than that. Even though, like, Definitely. of course, you know, it's someone hits does something to me personally. I I have the emotional reaction to it, but I do always try to come from a place of no, it's more a greater collective thing in a way that we're all you know victims of or whatever. I don't know. That's a, a complicated discussion, but you get what I'm saying. I do, and actually, Slither is interesting because it kind of illuminates this point in a in a particular way the power of love if you will power of love Huey Lewis style the power of love is a element of this movie but there is a cynicism in it in the storytelling because Elizabeth Banks uses the idea of the power of love as a tactic to 
ultimately try to kill Grant. And that's a cynical point of view, right? It's not, I mean, it, it's just the opposite of the fairy tale where it's like love conquers all kind of thing. Yeah, I forget if we had her moment of, you know, some level of remorse after she did kill him. I don't think so. I don't think so. And so that, I think that speaks to kind of this point of this perspective at the time of like, what really is foundationally important to uh, the worldview? It's the worldview of, you know, at the time, the response that we, you know, I hope is that's going to be our big world shift of this, this does you know, become uh, less the norm or less the majority as the collective. But the idea of there being such a thing as like bad guys to kill, which, you know, after mm-hmm. after 9-11, all of that fervor was yeah. the potential yeah. was put on. Got to kill the bad guys, you know, put blame on yeah. people. It's clear cut, which, you know, is a it's a perfectly fair historical precedent to go on. But at the same time, sure. it's not going to get us to where we all want to go well and i i kind of think i wonder at least if gun isn't in a way trying to say this is that way of looking at the world is is murky and it's not black and white and there are elements of like you know she feels compassion for her husband, even though he's this monster, but she's also using it as a kind of manipulation tactic. But she does she does still care about him and the outcome of all of this. And like so there's a there's a purposeful murkiness to all of that that I think potentially was, you know, a, a, an attempt at being poignant about the murkiness. But it's that's really hard to do. Right. Like, how do you get specific about unspecific well, things this in is the world the, the, like, the perfect it's a challenge this is the perfect story for it because as you're saying like these aren't pure zombies they aren't purely taken over there's the piece of humanity right. in them still so right. that that premise inherently does sort of explore that line like in that i think my prediction for horror in you know coming decades or next cycle is um if you know depending how things come out, if, if, if Trump really is indicative of um, a sort of, or I want to say, I want to say not even just Trump, but the sort of um, bipartisan politics as a whole, the us versus them, you know, ideology. Mm-hmm. If that's what we hope is going to sort of go by the wayside, you know, none of the, we, the, the, in order to be good, we have to kill the bad guys kind of methodology uh i could see you know uh, our then our, our evils we're going to be exploring are going to be a lot more based on sort of like alien invaders evil monsters just sort of like for you know things representative forces of nature more so things that aren't pinned on like serial killers or right. you know terrorist right. whatever yeah i think we're gonna see a lot of the invisible the invisible monster sort of trope and you know, this outside invisible force is the thing that we're all uh, uh, ostensibly scared of. But the true horror is the interpersonal evils that we see because we are uh, being tribal and categoristic about the other person that that is also fighting the invisible evil. Yeah, And so I think we'll see a lot of that playing around with like w- – can we come together collectively 
to fight off this invisible evil. Yeah, and to, to our point, you kind of see that more so, I think, than horror right now in the evolution of action movies of um, whether, you know, take your average Arnold movie with, you know, the, the right. fighting the bad guys and just kind of how weird and gross that feels now to, like, watch all these people <laughs> being murdered. Right. Or right, not, I right. should say weird yeah. and gross, but it's got, I mean, maybe, yeah, sure, but, like, non-celebratory or, and, or you know, not able just to disconnect in the way, like, like this is why I'll always say I like the Kingsmen movies versus the other um the Daniel Craig James Bond movies is there's a, sure. it's it just is weird for me a sort of self-seriousness of of still you know perpetuating this just killing people killing the bad guys but then Kingsmen is just all about sort of homaging hearkening back to like the 80s Bond movies that are my favorite of just being it's like no the style make it about that right right yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have another <laughs> thing that didn't work that we had mentioned before. The the trope of the oh, yeah. <laughs> woman, the woman who got together with the dude because he had money that by itself. I I'm just like, oh, God. But then having this, I would say, forced romantic relationship between Bill, right? Bill, the cop? Yeah. And Elizabeth Banks. Starla. Who he, no joke, I swear to God, he calls her straight up Carla <laughs> at one point. <laughs> sure. I swear, I was so confused. I heard him say it. I was like, he just called her Carla, not Starla. Like, what? Am I hearing things? Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, you often are. <laughs> I, yeah. I just... It's forced. I felt like it's forced. And here's why I felt like it was forced. There's literally a fucking moment that does not need to be in the movie where the teenage girl turns to Bill and says, you like her, don't you? It's like, guys, we're in the middle of a fucking alien invasion, slither, slug, monster, like zombie chaos. And you put in the in a teen. You think a teenager is gonna be like, hey, you want to save her because you like her, don't you? It's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's unnecessary. Who does it help? It doesn't help the storytelling. It certainly doesn't help us as an audience get on board with it. It doesn't matter. Why is it in there? It's. I just fucking hate that shit. Two, a guy and a girl can coexist in a fucking story without having romantic feelings for each other. You do not need it to move the story forward. Maybe he just wants to save her because she's in fucking danger. Vice versa. Doesn't matter. I just think it's so weird and like unnecessary and just tropey. And it, it fucking annoyed the shit out of me if you can't tell. Because when we get to the end, I just feel like the the ending can't be just about bill it makes bill one dimensional and i it's like dude i just don't care i'm like he can fucking die then i don't give a fuck like what are we fighting for in the end moment yeah i and i, I think I, that end moment that that sequence the reason the movie falls flat to me or d- doesn't end up being like a holy shit that was amazing is because 
there's this weird undercurrent of what what are we actually fighting for? Because if it's just survival, if it's just a say, you know, damsel and it turns into a damsel in distress moment. And I'm over that shit. It's boring to me. It's true. It seems a little confused. Like what at the end, it's sort of falling on the tone of like, well, wasn't that just a crazy night? Kind of thing, which it just sort of has like a last resort right. since the sort of sweeping romance isn't doing the lifting. Right. And also the movie isn't predicated on this uh, unrequited love undercurrent. If it were, sure. Okay. Like if you built that story up, that history up of like people being trapped in their own circumstantial reality because of that's just the way life goes. And that's the undercurrent that leads us to a, a, a save, you know, a princes in the castle, like storm, the castle kill the dragon moment. I'm okay with that. Like I can get behind that because it's, it's more built in from, from the get go. We don't meet bill. I mean, we meet him in the opening scene, but like the first half of the movie has nothing to do with him. Like, he's not a main character. And so to then make the second half of the movie have this element of, like, oh, he's just there because he has feelings for this girl and he's got to save her. It just – I feel like it it kind of just takes away from the, the first half of the movie setup of her and Grant having their particular type of relationship. He's not just there for that. It just also happens to be happening. I know. But it – by – Putting lines like "you like her, don't you?" is tr- seems to try to make it more about that, and I think that that's a mistake. I agree; it falls flat in the end. But I guess I'm just a, a dated, horrible person who likes stupid little moments <laughs> like that. I don't know what to tell you. I'm saying it can be done and done well. I think this one was not. I like seeing his stupid little reaction when he gets embarrassed you know like whatever (laughs) i'm i'm actually okay with that if he goes dude we're we're fighting zombies right now like that's not important like it's so easy and and lame but like no but but this is the kind of movie where like totally tonally and like what it's homaging like you have these little stupid character moments throughout like it's not supposed to be what are what they actually say right here? Even yeah. though I probably I would just, say yeah. something like that in the survival situation, because like, yeah, that's how you is get that really it. the thing that we're worried about right now? Well, no, no, I mean, I would say you like her, huh? Like, I would totally say that in a life or death situation, like, because 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 that's where you are, you know, like, yeah, I guess so. I guess well, I can see that. What so- I think that you know, if 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 we had established her the teenager character as being we had leaned a little bit more in on she's such a teenager i can get behind totally but but we we don't get that so it just to me it just it doesn't work so um the final thing that i feel like fails badly is the final explosion moment and it's a you know it's it's a matter of how you practically decide to to make that moment happen and they they chose to make it a cg explosion with some practical stuff you know flying through the air but not much and so i would say that's a big a big missed opportunity 
you have this giant fleshy monster thing that's been gross. Make a practical giant fleshy thing and actually blow it up and cover the room. Like I would that would have been everything to me if it had been that. But the second you got the CGI explosion, I was like, no. The the aftermath, or I mean, the pieces were practical. It was cool. That that's right. But it just seemed, it seemed like it was about twenty two percent of what it could have been. <laughs> got it. Because, like, think about a movie like uh, Tremors when they blow up the the graboid at the end of Tremors. That that ex- well, not the the very last one, but the first time they're successful in blowing one up, goop and slop and shit. Like it's a huge explosion. They actually blew up some shit, and they rain down slop on everybody. That's what I'm talking. Like this movie needed that times a hundred for me to be like, fuck yeah, that ending rocked. Yeah, and so getting getting a really kind of like diminished version of that with bad cgi killed it for me i just was like fuck missed opportunity yeah i agree i didn't notice at the time but of course now that you say it <laughs> like totally <laughs> i was super bummed i think it's because i had the expectation thinking oh yeah james gunn he's gonna fucking this is gonna be gnarly because we had had you know the guts earlier and like some of these practical things happen i was like oh we're in for a really good blow up and then it was like oh <laughs> great right right well want want well Great or or not great. Um, you moved on just before I wanted to say the last thing on on their love story. While I'll defend it as oh, <laughs> it's just, I, I, I know how um superficial and stupid it is, but like what suckered me in was just like the context of their story of um, when, you know forever ago they they could have run off together, but then he like stood in the way and stopped her. Like that's, that's sure. all I needed to be invested in my own, again, superficial, stupid way <laughs> in case you're out there. I, mean, like I get me. it, dude. Don't get, I'm, I'm fucking romantic as fuck in, <laughs> you know, in, in a certain way, but I, you know, in storytelling romance, like I think we need to be better about how we frame that yeah. stuff and not have it be such a, like from a, a, a male point of view of like oh I didn't get the girl and and like I hope I get the girl you know like it just you gotta great be... impression of me Tim thanks <laughs> that wasn't of you that was just you know that was more of a Nathan Fillion impression <laughs> sure <laughs> but you know what I mean like I think that there are smarter ways to frame that stuff and make it more impactful and and meaningful no, I and agree. less tropey Luck, I have to say like luckily for this film it is like a stupid B-movie homage that <laughs> right. j- just passes even though it could have been better like yeah. you know I, I hear as far as like yeah if if the actual love story could have been on the same level of the moment of um of you know subverting the trope of him still being at the window when she walks by it the second time that's totally. you just want to be on that level yeah hell yeah yes then yes the, again i can argue either side though at the same time this is a classic like <laughs> b movie thing just just do the exact numbers that we've seen a million yeah. times and that's that's yeah, i yeah, think I that's what i, I say as far as like when i said the sto- homage in the story sense worked for me yeah cool 
Great. All right. I feel like that's it. So let's move on. Next section, things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. All right. Like I could have gone on and sort of investigated all the the homages there but like whatever i um the only thing i had i thought yeah i have a i have a small list okay well the only thing i had for things of note just get it out of the way was um there is indeed a post credits tag that sets up a sequel of where a uh a cat is like next to the remains of the explosion you didn't see it tim I did not. Tim was always just uh, like, credits started, movie's over. No, man. <laughs> Lights up. Yeah, no, no. It's like, it looks like it's a brainy piece of the remains left that like has a spike stick out of it and starts sort of shaking like a rat oh, nice. tail. And then like the cat comes up and starts licking it and then cut to plaque. And we hear like the most stock cat scream noise that you've heard a million times <laughs> then it Meow. then it cuts to like slither and his his james gunn like <laughs> heavy metal hard rock music cuts in punk music nice um i just think it's interesting to just sort of go okay what what are the big standout you know homage sort of what just just the movies that we go oh that feels like this that feels like the that the biggest so like, one uh, is night of the creeps so i just say that since you haven't seen it that's like lit- literally the biggest okay. one they're the exact same little slug creatures exact same zombification really yeah. all right i gotta watch it i'll try and watch it tonight um I definitely felt like even movie that we've seen Shiv- uh, Shivers. There's a there's a bit of that vibe. That, that's what I meant to say earlier. I said Rabbit. I meant Shivers. Oh right, right, right. Okay, cool. Um, obviously, I think there's the thing in there. Um, there's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, there's a bit of Night of the Living Dead kind of vibe, you know, because you you do get these meandering zombies, or maybe there's a better. Um, zombie-ish movie, maybe Night of the Creeps. Is I mean, that, even I it just sort of generally like what Fiend Without a Face was, just that f- classic 50s, uh, you know, right, get the right. posse with the guns to go out and kill the aliens. <laughs> right. Um, also, oh, there's one other, I mean, the shunting, obviously, I wrote that down, so there's some some of that vibe in there. Society. Uh, society, right? And, uh, God, there was one other, oh, I didn't really know how or where to place this. And I think that this, this might be a good example of, of an homage vibe that is doing its own thing. So it, it's not too on the nose, which is the, <laughs> the point when the zombies can like spit yellow, greenish goop. I just was like, that feels like something from something. But it's not – if it had been acid goop, I'd be like, oh, come on, guys. Like, it's just alien. No, it's 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 half acid Bernie and half kind of like makes you kind of blow bubble up too. So it's kind of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I – you know, that one I think actually d- is doing a good job of, of just being a, a – you know, a version away from the original thing that it's kind of referencing that it kind of feels okay. But – Man, there's, you know, it's a lot of homage you know, classic, great horror movie references type stuff in here. So, you know, so be it. I mean, since you didn't mention it, um, 
you see he's playing like a, a town drunk or whatever. There's Lloyd Kaufman, the trauma films co-founder sitting in the police station. Oh, right, yeah. Just, I mean, I, I was distracted just looking at him the whole time, but Hey, he's <laughs> there. All right, Lloyd. We yeah. Love you. Well, and I think it, you know, a, a thing that I appreciate at least is the appreciation for all of these things that James Gunn is, is clearly commenting on and having, you know, like in the casting and like I, I I I really do enjoy that he clearly loves that genre and is writing a little bit of a love note to it. Yeah. And I love that. I mean that's fucking great. So great. And um I guess what is obvious despite the setup, we have not had a sequel to Slither. Someday. He's he's rich enough now, he should be. He could just make one for $10 million, right, if he wanted to. Absolutely. <laughs> um, makes three movies for Disney. Um, great. All right. Well, if that's it for Slither, Tim, we got to get – let's get our recommendations out of the way here. Can I recommend Dead, a thing that you recommended a while back because now I've seen I've it? I've recommended something you've recommended. I'm going to do it, dude, because I watched The House That Jack Built. Really? Great. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I ordered it on Blu-ray. I was going to lend it to you. I was very into it. I wanted to talk to you about there, it. Awesome. Man, I'll tell you what. There are some moments when I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, got very like, I can't, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to look at this. <laughs> God. Thought you, which is pretty rare for me, but I was like, I was like, oh shit! I had my hands like up on my forehead, like, oh no, oh no. And then to not give anything away, so dark. can you say how you liked the whole like end chunk, the last chapter, without giving anything I away? I was super cool with it because I, you know, great. That's all uh, yeah, I want to know. That's all I want to know. Awesome. I was hoping you'd be into it. Let's let's not get into that, it. That that uh, let's call it uh. Let's call it a myth, mm -hmm. a type of story, is one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, I was thinking about because I excitedly ordered it, and I'm like, oh, I want to talk to Tim all about it. Yeah. So that's mine. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's long. Holy shit, it's long. It's got but all those chapters. It yeah. It didn't feel like, oh, my God, this is never ending. I just like, I looked down at one point. I was like, whoa, this is a two and a half hour movie. Like. <laughs> I would not have really known. Great, great. That is yeah, it's cool. the house that Jack built. Uh, if you can track it down, the director's cut. But if not, I believe it's on Hulu, as I'm guessing, where you watched That's it. That's where I watched it, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll keep up the, not exploitation, even though this one is kind of more of that vein. Australian New Wave. Uh, I was, I was, so far, I'm two for three. I watched one after this one I wasn't too crazy about. But another one I really liked from 78 was called Long Weekend. The little short letterbox description. When a suburban couple go camping for the weekend at a remote beach, they discover that nature isn't in isn't in an accommodating mood. And it's not like <laughs> too It's like it just rains a lot the yeah. whole time. <laughs> it's it's actually it's a kind of a cool level of like just everywhere you go. It's just that theme is embedded in like literally everything, but it doesn't go mm. super over the top in the animals attack thing. Like it happens, but it's all in a kind of realistic grounded way. Um, you know, just enough. And, um, 
Okay. And uh, it, it's kind of, you know, them devolving as a couple and kind of going crazy along with this all, but not into like the total, total nutso way. Just like it just hits this really interesting sweet spot. So I wanted to recommend that. Long weekend. Cool. Great. All right. Your turn, I believe. I think you are correct. So I'm going to use my left hand here just to mix it what up. What are we watching next, Tim? We're watching this one. Oh, yes. 1963. Great year. What a year. <laughs> yeah. Black Sabbath. Cool. I haven't seen it. Uh, I've seen the opening. <laughs> and it's good. Great. Awesome. Look forward to seeing that with you, Tim. I, tur- I turned it off because we had just started doing this. And I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't watch this, actually, because we should put this on our list. <laughs> Great. So I, I watched the opening sequence and then was like, shit, no, turned it off. So exciting. Great, great, great. Well, yeah, you should join us then, whether you've seen it or not. Maybe you should watch it, Black Sabbath, and then you can sit down with us and pick it apart, dismember it, as we like to call it here. No mere picking apart. As you just heard, we dismember a film because we are dismembering horror. And that's it, guys. So in closing, thank you so, so much for being here, for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>